All right. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, whoa, whoa. What was that? <laughs> what are you doing? Slow down. Slow down. Wait. <laughs> Boy, is your trigger finger <laughs> loose today? Are you, there's something else you got to do? You got to get this over with? Looking at your clock? Slow down. Let me at least, let me, let me at least sit down. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's just get started then. There's clearly, you know, there's no need to, uh, to delay, you are in, uh, Reggie, today, you are certainly uh, hyped to go. Like, so am I. Let's do it then. All right. I'll give you the, the three S's. I'll give you the countdown. You give me a podcast. All right. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. All I have to say is uh, this better be one of the best intros you ever do. I mean, I know you're, re- you're, I know you're ready. You're, that finger is already on that button, but it better be real tight, my friend. When I, after I say, you know, that little opening there and the music starts, oh, it better be right on because, you know, clearly you're already, you're already itching to get started. <laughs> All right. Put it in the books. Episode uh, 308, 308. Star, smile strong. Here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto and this is Captain Podtastic. Whoa. Okay. What's your deal? <laughs> Let me finish. Let me f- get the ick out. Fantastic. Then you hit it. All right. Here we go. Take two. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com. Don't forget, tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody that you know that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion. Oh, it brings a tear to my eye and a lump to my throat. <laughs> if you like what you hear, don't forget, go to said WGNRadio.com. Hit the prompt for this podcast. They've redesigned their page. It's very prominent. You go on there, you hit the prompt for Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. And you just keep hitting load more and load more and load more. And it should load when you're all finished. Like 300. Let me look at the book here. 307. Previous episode. Which can only mean one thing. This is 308. 308 episodes, Reggie. Can you believe it? Wow. So, what I'd like to talk about today, as we are into mid-April, with a little delay, the baseball season has started after a little... Three or three and a half month work stoppage, union management squabble. 
as is the case with many big businesses. And there's no question that in today, one of the biggest businesses in the world is sports. Always has been a big business, but right now it is one of the biggest when you see all the money that is being thrown around, at, even at broadcasters. Troy Aikman is making like $15 million to, to be an analyst for football. $15 million. That's, that's, that's more than some players make. And he's just sitting and talking about the game. He's not playing. He's not working out. He's not getting hit, especially in football. Yes, he's, don't, don't get me wrong. He's, he's, had a, he's been hit in his life. He was a quarterback, so he took uh, plenty of, uh, of hits and licks. Don't get me wrong, but wow, $15 million at this point to be a broadcaster just to for 16 games? Wow, that's, that's major cash. If you're a sports fan, or if you're not a sports fan, this is not going to be a sports-oriented podcast. I don't want you to go, oh, he's talking about sports. I'm not going to listen. No, no, no. This is not about X's and O's or stats or who's going to win. And I'm not getting, I'm not digging deep into sports here. But what I am talking about is how sports is really culturally now changing, has changed. And I'm wondering if my view and yours has changed. Are you are you more excited about sports or have you drifted away? Uh, sports now is is so big monetarily and I think a part of it especially in, over the last year or so when they've legalized uh betting. Uh now, I mean you you don't have to call your bookie you don't have to go to vegas you don't have to go to otb oh my gosh you see the commercials on television now there's all these fan sites and betting sites and uh you know uh, celebrities are now doing celebrity commercials for for betting sites and former uh, athletes my gosh it it it, it, it already it always was a big business but now it is getting to be a huge business the cubs here in chicago the cubs are building their own sports book where you can bet not only on the games of that day in in that's being played in that stadium but anything they're opening their own sports book just like they're having vegas i mean you know before betting was this kind of like uh embarrassing kind of thing and then and in, in many cases it was illegal and there were little, as I said before, pockets of off-track betting for uh, for horse races, so people could, they didn't want to go to the track, drive all the way out to the physical track. They would go to a satellite OTB, as they're known, and be able to uh, to bet on races, not only in their own area but even around the country. So it, it sort of helped, uh, you know, increase the uh, the betting for 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 tracks, even though it, you know, horse racing has really fallen in the last. 20 or 30 years, as we know here in Chicago, when the, the premier horse racing track, Arlington, has been sold, closed. Chicago Bears bought the land. Horse racing, really, in Chicago uh, is is gone when, when Arlington left. I mean, yes, there still are a couple of tracks, but Arlington was an international and one of the be- most beautiful tracks in, in the country, if not the world, and... Um, so that sport certainly has taken a, a different turn. There's still excitement over the Triple Crown every year, which will be coming up in a couple of weeks. The three races, the uh, the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont. But um, but then aside from that, you don't really hear much about racing until next May. 
<laughs> that first weekend in May. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so gambling, the legalization of gambling has just put an, a major influx uh, of money and, uh, and I'm sure hopefully what they're hoping is that, that uh, the enticement to, uh, to just elevate sports in general, all sports, because you can bet on anything. But I don't know if, uh, are you like me? I, I don't know. I mean, there's, the, the, there's, there's no doubt that sports are, are, are just blanketing our culture, but are you being enticed by that or are you being turned off by that? Have you moved closer to sports? over the last couple of years, or are you starting to move away from sports? So it's more of a cultural thing that I'd like to talk about, especially from my standpoint, because I have been a sports fan for most of my life, as far as I can remember. And my favorite sport to play and watch has always been baseball. So here we are at the beginning of the baseball season. And real quick, what I do, I, I do want to talk about very briefly that I'm thinking about this, this sports book being built in Wrigley Field. And I don't know if other baseball stadiums are doing the same thing, but certainly they are doing it at Wrigley Field. I don't know if it's if it's if it's finished yet. I mean, the season has started. I don't know if they're still because this all you know happened very quick. But my gosh, the Cubs really jumped on that. But I, I, the fact that Major League Baseball would allow that. Is 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 interestingly hypocritical, and I say that because now there is a, a a sports book where you can bet on the game itself, as well as other games around the league and other sports. Right, so you're going to be you're going to be in Wrigley Field laying bets down, just like you were at the track. So that's a whole interesting dynamic to be included into the sports and and the baseball environment when you go to a game. People may have had bets on games, but they used to, you know, call their bookies. As I said before, it was it was kind of a shady thing. It was kind of a uh, you know, it, it, everybody was betting. A lot of people were betting, but it was wasn't so blatant or out in the open. Uh, they had to, you know, they had to go find a way to make a bet. Now you can bet on your phone right now. You can right now, as I'm talking to you about betting. If I'm, if I'm enticing you, you could go. You know what? I'm going to put, you know, ten bucks on that baseball game right now. So right now, betting is is been taken out of the shadows. <laughs> it is legitimized. It is legalized, and it'll be interesting to see. What kind of money is generated? We've already seen the same thing happen with marijuana. You know, what I find interesting culturally now is so many of these taboos that, at least here in the United States, were tabooed and were deemed illegal are falling by the wayside. All these, you know, the term, and, and there's actually, you know, right, there's a, there's a squad the vice squad, right? The vice department, vices. There were these things that were designated as and described as and uh, considered vices, bad things for 
our society and for ourselves. And it seems that in the last 15 to 20 years, uh, we have embraced our vices. We have accept, we have made our vices unviced. <laughs> They're not vices anymore. They're attributes. They're part of the culture. They're part of who we are now. It, marijuana, at least, not all illegal drugs, not harder ones, but at least marijuana, which, you know, has been debated for decades of being legalized, is now more or less legalized. I'm sure in the next couple of years, COVID may have stopped a lot of different things going on because there's so many different problems. But, uh, you know, the, the, the whole marijuana laws are, are very convoluted because they're legal but they're still not federally legal. They're statewide legal. They're not federally legal. So, and not to get into uh, you know specifics, but you know there's a there's a great irony that the, the these these owners of these marijuana dispensaries they can't take they can't put their uh, their revenue into you know state banks you know or federal banks because that's not legal. So they're making all this money, uh, you know, but they, they they can't put them in a federally federal bank because it's a federal crime still. So that has to all be washed out. But we don't seem to care about that that conflict. States are just saying, "Hey, we need that revenue." You know, for the last forty or fifty years, once again, people have been using illegal drugs. At least, and I don't even know if that's a term anymore. But uh, you know, certainly marijuana viewed as the 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 least lethal or dangerous of the those previously described illegal drugs and uh while many people illegally were getting rich just like they did just like the the bootleggers with alcohol did during pure uh, prohibition in the 20s and 30s that prohibition basically built or certainly elevated legitimized the entire you know underground uh, of of gangsters you know flaunting and knowingly breaking the law because everyone knew there were speakeasies everybody knew that there was alcohol being uh you know manufactured and then you had the you know those those raids and you see those pictures from the you know, from the 30s and 40s when police would, would find a big shipment and they would, you know, with the, in those barrels, they would take the axes and they would, you know, you know, break the barrel so and all the alcohol would be dripping out because it was like, yeah, but at the same time, you know, those same policemen an hour later were, were in some speakeasy. It was, it was a ridiculous law. It proved to be completely uh, unenforceable and unpopular. But at the same time, it created this entire, uh, you know, illegal empire for people like Al Capone and, and, and others. And gambling was the same way. You know, it was, you know, it was bootlegging, it was gambling, and now gambling has been legitimized. So it does seem like governments are now saying, you know what, people are doing all this. A lot of people are getting rich. We're not winning the war on drugs. We're not winning the war on on all these vices, these previously um, 
designated vices, so we might as well just uh, legalize them and regulate them, but most of all, make some money off of it. Tax it. People are paying ridiculous prices anyway, so at least uh, that money will help the government to help people as opposed to going into uh, the hands of, uh, you know, of nefarious folks building mansions. Although everybody's building mansions today, right? But it seems like our vices are are not um, considered vices anymore. Those previous vices have now been um, been redesi- re- redesignated and they've been embraced. And so illegal drugs are no longer illegal in many states. And I'm sure, like I said before, in the next couple of years, it will be federally decriminalized and, um, you know, or in all 50 states will have it and we'll, we'll see that going on. There's no question about that. And now we've seen this gambling completely. And before you had to go to Las Vegas or Atlantic City. That's that, if you were a gambler, that's where you went. And now you can reach into your back pocket. Another vice. And there's a downside to all these, no question. People can get addicted to drugs. People can get addicted to gambling. But I guess in this more open society that we have today, we're saying, I want to do what I want to do. That's, you know, that's, that's the mantra now. We've seen that mantra with COVID, right? I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to take a shot. I don't believe it's true. I, you know, we, are, we have become so independent. We have become so... Um, self-determined everybody has their right well okay we'll see we won't we won't see the the positives or the negatives of these kinds of things for another 15 or 20 years the impact they've had on people overall individuals or the impact it's had on the culture at, at, at large but we're we're certainly willing to 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 see what happens because it in the in the short term uh, people get their freedom, their rights, and government gets their their share of it. So we'll see what happens. But there is a there is a hypocrisy to having a sports book in a baseball stadium, and and I will and, and the hypocrisy that I mention on it is the Pete Rose situation. Pete Rose has been banned from baseball for betting on baseball, and now in 2022, anybody can bet on baseball right in the stadium. Now, don't forget, of course, this banning, this this illegal betting stemmed, you know, this this banishment, this 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 harsh punishment for betting by players on the game, games they're involved in, or other games. And I'm sure, you know, I don't know if players do it. I don't know. But... Pete Rose got caught. Now, obviously, uh, this all stemmed from the 1919 Chicago White Sox World Series, which uh, allegedly was was fixed as gamblers paid off many of the players on the White Sox, then called the Black Sox, to throw the World Series. The, the, the White Sox were a much better team, and they... they they were clearly not playing up their potential, and it was revealed that gamblers got too many of the key players and gave them 
a nice stack of money because back in those days, baseball players or any sports players were really not paid the way they are now. I mean, now it's 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 unbelievable. But uh, that's not the way it was. So it didn't take gamblers a lot. It didn't even take a lot of their, out of their pocket to fix this. But the integrity of the game was 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 put under question. And baseball at that time in 1919. And this is part of my bigger my bigger subject here. Baseball was so popular that to have it corrupted. And it was important not only for adults but for kids too. I mean, base it was baseball and apple pie. I mean, the baseball was so entwined with that, with that American dream and that American ideal. Baseball, it really was. It was the it was the it was the, the sport. But I think it's ironic now, whether Pete Rose was was betting or not, and it, it seems pretty much did, and, and he's sort of admitted it he still won't completely admit it but my point is it's ironic that pete rose has been banned from baseball kept out of the hall of fame the hardest thing in sports it's debatable but it's certainly right up there is to hit a baseball at all and to get a hit a safe hit like a single or a double or a homer or a triple whatever is considered one of the hardest things in sports and the man who did it the most times in history, Pete Rose, the most hits in Major League Baseball, over 4,000 hits, is not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and we're not going to debate this. You can go on debating this. But my point is it's ironic now that Pete Rose, and I'm surprised he's not bringing this up. Maybe he has. I haven't read it, but. I do find it a little ironic and a little hypocritical that baseball is embracing betting and they're still banning Pete Rose. Uh, it seems to be a little hypocritical. It's an archaic view. As I said, our culture is changing. We are become much more permissive. Uh, what was once termed a vice is no longer a vice. It is now accepted. It is government sanctioned. <laughs> So, baseball is, as we sit here at the beginning of baseball, right? It, it's, it, it, and the thing about baseball, it's always been so, as I said before, intertwined, intertwined with, with American values. Baseball, mother, uh, uh, you know, apple pie and the flag. Baseball was the, the first real big sport. It captured the imagination of a country. It was used as a rallying point through hard times and good. And there were superstars. The, the biggest superstars of sport for a while were baseball players. Babe Ruth, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle. These were icons, iconic people that were the heroes of the day. And it really was baseball. The great, of course, speech that James Earl Jones gives in uh, Field of Dreams, really does say it all. If you've never seen the film, I would suggest you 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 get the film or you you watch the film. But even if you don't want to watch the movie, go on YouTube and hit James Earl Jones' baseball speech. I'm sure it's there, and it really does encapsulate the speech he gives at the end of the film. At least it did what it was like in 1989. Now that movie is, you know, more than uh, 
30 some years old now. And that's what I want to talk about. Uh, 35 or 40 years ago, baseball was still considered the national pastime. But in 2022, I'm wondering, is baseball still the national pastime or is it past its time? See what I did there? (laughs) I really do believe that it is past its time. It hurts me to say that. Because as I said before, baseball, of all the sports, is my favorite sport. I played it for more than 15 years as a little kid throughout high school, little in college. So I, I, and I played softball for years after that. But I mean real baseball with a glove. I, I, I'm never a big fan of the 16-inch softball. I liked league ball with a mitt. I always wanted to. I said, "Well, if I'm going to play softball, maybe I should say 12 inch because at least I get a mitt." I like, I like having that leather on my hand. But you know, pure baseball, the way it's meant to be played. I, I played it for, for many years, and I was pretty good at it for a while. And then you know, you get to a certain level, and you realize you, you, you it's, you could be good for a while. You know, through high school, and I was pretty good. I was a starting catcher on my varsity a baseball team when I was a sophomore. So that's not bad. We did pretty well. One year we went to the regional finals. So that's pretty cool. So I love baseball. I've been going to baseball games since I was a little kid. I mean, you know, this, this, you know, baseball opening day was just about a week or so ago. For those of you of a certain age, especially if you're over 50, even if you're not a big sports fan, just through osmosis, just through observing, it, the opening day was a big deal. I mean, it was a big, big, big deal. And for some people, it still is, and that's great. And I hope uh, for the people that still have that enthusiasm and 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 enjoy going to opening day, it, it, it really it, it, it marked... As I said before, the, the rites of spring. Baseball was romanticized for decades. And it took on these bigger meanings. It signaled the beginning of spring and good weather. Especially in the in, in, in the in the in the north, you know, the Midwest and the Northeast and uh in in the in places where it's cold, it was when baseball you you know when baseball came back it was like ah oh, we made it through another winter and you had your favorite team and so at the beginning of the season everybody had a chance to go to the world series right everybody was undefeated before the first pitch was thrown and uh, as i said before uh you know baseball was so tied in and sadly as being a baseball fan, baseball has, has 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 declined quite a bit over the last thirty years, and there's many reasons for it. Uh, there is certainly culturally, younger people are not as attracted to baseball as they are other sports because baseball as it was always played and intended, is is an exciting sport, but in spurts. And so 
in today's world, there's just this this need for constant, uh, you know, stimulation. And video games and fantasy leagues, fans are, are don't know don't, they don't want to be uh, passive anymore. They can't sit still, and it's hurt from my standpoint. Being a baseball fan, I can appreciate a two to one game, and most people today want to see home runs and, and grand slams. They want that excitement, and other sports deliver that. Michael Jordan was major reason why basketball was elevated. He he brought basketball up, but there's always something happening on a ba- every 24 seconds. There's seconds. There's at least a shot. There's a potential for something cool to happen. A three pointer or amazing amazing dunk every 24 seconds. In football, every 45 seconds, there's a play happening. We know that you can set your clock to it literally. In hockey, there's tons of stuff going on. That puck is flying around. People are hitting each other. There's shots. There's this. There's that. You know, it's like it's like a it's like a little rat race down there. A lot of action. And then there's baseball. the The aspect of baseball that was so appealing is now its biggest detriment. The leisurely pace. Ball one, ball two, strike one, foul ball. In today's today's world, and especially the younger generation that need constant stimulation, it, baseball just doesn't cut it for them. The Masters, golf, was a bigger story a couple of weeks ago. When Tiger Woods, even though it turned out to be as many, like including myself, expected that this, his big comeback was not going to be successful, people really just cling to this. But you know, Tiger Woods has been through a lot, and he's kind of a screwed up guy. He was an amazing golfer for a while. There's no question, but a lot has happened to this guy. And 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 the other part of it is not only what he's done to himself mentally and physically. But also, he's just getting old. That's what that's what happens to sports heroes. And Tiger's going to be in denial for a while. He was he, he was he was slipping even without almost having his leg amputated after this car crash about a year or so ago. But my point is, golf has always been, and Tiger, like Michael Jordan, elevated that sport, no question. And that's why the networks and 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 the media always, whenever Tiger does anything, uh, they they try to overhype it because he's the guy, he's Babe Ruth, and uh, but he's also human, and they can we can all and and there's all this Tiger hype and Tiger hope, but uh, it's more hype than hope. It's more hype than reality. But my point is, golf has always been. A somewhat popular sport, but never on the level of baseball or football or or basketball, certainly. But this week just goes to show you the the changing fortunes of baseball. A couple of weeks ago, when Tiger was preparing to enter the Masters as his first um, 
tournament since having the serious car accident that, like I said before, almost lost him a leg. This, uh, you know, who no one expected him to play this soon. So there's a great story there, right? It, it, it turned out he he had a pretty good opening round, but he, he, he had one of his worst scores ever then over four days. Because physically, he just can't he can't do it. And he's going to come back, and he's going to play in all the in all the major tournaments, and there's going to be a lot of hype. But I think the dream is over, folks, on that. But okay, go ahead. But my point is, I think the the, the baseball has fallen so much in the last several years that the Masters golf tournament generated more anticipation and more excitement than opening day for baseball, which happened the same week. Baseball started, and instead of this this nostalgic and warm fuzzy that baseball is starting again, and don't get me wrong, I know there's some people that still get the warm fuzzy, and that's great, but overall, culturally, in the sporting world or in the, the, the general the general overview. Opening day started with a whimper. Baseball's going on. Do you really do you, are you really watching every game? Are you are you if you're even if you're a, a casual fan, are you that excited about it? Or do you turn a game on if it happens to be on or you're not doing anything? Is baseball still appointment entertainment? I don't think it is. I know it isn't for me, and it's really difficult. I'm, I'm, I'm going through withdrawals because I know what I used to love about baseball, going back as a little kid and even through my 20s and 30s and 40s. But it's not about getting older that, oh, well, you just lose interest in things you get older. That's not true. There's some Cub fans or baseball fans, you know, Red Sox fans. They're 95 and they've been to be going games for 50, you know, 80 years. They haven't lost their enthusiasm. And I and I and I'm jealous of that and I appreciate that. And I've tried to in many ways, I've tried to reinvigorate get reinvigorated by baseball, but I just can't. And the reason why is I understand why baseball is trying to appeal to this younger generation and changing many of its rules that it had and having the game evolve. And every sport has done that. There wasn't always a 24-second clock in, in, uh, in basketball, for instance. But the owners decided we, gotta, we can't just have guys dribbling a basketball and standing in one spot and wasting the clock. That's not fun. That's not exciting. So they instituted the 24-second clock. So every sport has tweaked its rules over the years to, to hopefully make the game more exciting and more interesting and also to appeal to a, a, a growing newer generation that always wants more action. But the problem that I've had with baseball is that it sold itself and still does sell itself to a great degree on its history, on its tradition. So one minute 
you're getting all misty-eyed talking about Babe Ruth and Joe DiMaggio or Willie Mays and and uh, you know and all these great players of the past and and how baseball is this great bonding thing and boys and their dads playing catch and once again feel the dreams you want to have a catch dad you know he plays catch with his ghost father right you know uh, so there's so much that has been tied into the lore and the legacy of baseball emotionally family-wise bonding america apple pie baseball was always there and i know i'm almost sounding like james earl jones now from that speech but my point is that's that was an aspect of baseball that also made it appealing and baseball in my view has been abandoning many of those things they've been they've been They've been bastardizing their tradition. So on one hand, they're trying to to market themselves and sell themselves on their tradition, but at the same time, they're changing their tradition. Pitch clocks, phantom ghost runners to you know six seven inning double headers. Now DHs in both league. They've been changing the rules and they're changing them quite a bit. Bigger bases, all this thing, all these these rule changes that have been going on the last couple of years. The sports seem to be doing pretty well for a hundred and some years, and I understand there's a need to change, but there's also something to be said that this is the game, and if you like it, you like it. And if you don't, you don't. I understand. If that's your business, you say, well, wait a minute. I have to change it. How do I? I so I, I, I understand the push and pull. And so if you're a diehard baseball fan, you, have, you, you, may not ex- you may not like the changes, but you come to accept them because the benefit still outweighs the, uh, uh, the downside. You'd rather still be watching baseball and enjoying baseball, even if it's not the same game that you always did, even if there's aspects of it that have changed forever. You will accept those concessions. You'll concede to that because you still have an appreciation and love and passion for the game, and that's great. And if you still have that, uh, I'm jealous of you. Because I've sadly lost that, and I do feel the the, the pain and the loss of that. Because it, it it has been my favorite sport. But I can honestly tell you that when I watch, well, I don't even to be that, that's the key. The key. I can't watch the All Star games anymore. I used to love the baseball All Star game. Oh my god, couldn't wait for it. Now I don't watch it at all. Why? Because I I don't know any of the players. Now you say, Jim, well, that's your fault. Well, it's not my fault. Baseball's turned me off. I still like going to a baseball game. I still enjoy the atmosphere. I still, you know, there's more. But sadly, once again, to appeal, the, 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 the experience at a baseball game now is much different than it used to be. First of all, it's incredibly expensive. That was the great thing about baseball, too. It was the American pastime because not only was it 
fun to watch, but it was cheap to attend. There now it is. I mean, you're going to walk out of a baseball game with tickets and parking and food and you know a hat, and if you've got a couple of kids, that's a five hundred. That's a five to seven hundred dollar day. Easy, easy. A family outing with, you know, husband, wife, and two kids. That's easy. I would say that's got to be a $1,000 day. I don't know if baseball's delivering $1,000 worth of entertainment. But that's what they're trying to do. So now if you go to a baseball game, what's happened before, the other stuff was ancillary. You'd walk in, you'd get a hot dog or some popcorn or some crack or jack, right? (laughs) You might buy a pennant or a cap or something. You bought your scorecard. But there was nothing in my mind as a little kid especially, and even into my 20s and 30s and 40s, as I said, especially at Wrigley Field, which is this, this historic park and was the park that I've been to most of my life. I, there was nothing like it when I would walk up the stairs from the concourse and see the field. Because that's where the action was. That's where I that's where I was going. That's what I was coming for. This other stuff were were little add-ons to the experience, but the experience was that action on the field. Those players, the ball, the bat, the hitting, the running, the scoring, the cheering strikeouts the homers that was the that was the appeal that was where all the action took place and in today's world and in today's baseball stadium it seems much more attention much more emphasis is being put on the things happening around the field than what's happening on the field when you go to a baseball game now, especially in newer parks, there's all these activities going on. Kids are not, they're not, they, they, kids today can't sit. I used to sit and watch a nine-inning baseball game. That's what you did. You came to the park and you watched the baseball game. You sat and you watched the baseball game and you enjoyed watching the baseball game. Now... If you take a kid to a baseball game, they have to be able to go somewhere and and hit a ball on a tee, or they have to be able to play catch, or they have to they they're there if they see three innings, that's a lot. They need to be constantly entertained. So the action on the field is much less. A lot of times you're going to a baseball game and you're in another part of the stadium. You're not even in the stadium. You're in the concourse or somewhere else and you're watching the game on TV because your kid's hitting a T-ball or playing catch or trying to throw the ball fast or whatever it is or buying stuff or, or now and dad's in the now dad's at the sports book. And meanwhile, there's a game going on. But the game has lost its importance, I think. And and part of that is, yes, culturally, we are an action-based generation here. That's who's driving everything. So baseball is trying to appeal to that. But 
I think it's betrayed itself. And you say, well, Jim, I mean, you know, uh, if, if they don't change, then they die. Well, I've said this many times. Sometimes there's been very good ideas. And they have been very popular for a long time, and then they fall out of fashion. Like I said before, horse racing. Horse racing was a major sport in this country, driven by gambling, no question. But still, a major, major sport. Now it has dwindled, as I said before. It's, it, it, it gets prominence for three races in May, June, and, you know, May, early June, and late June, early July. And then that's it. And there's a couple of other stakes races, but it's not dominating people's minds. Clearly, as I said, you can't even go anymore. I fear that baseball might be on that track. It, it, it's not. It, it, it's, it's too big of a game. It's too. It's too popular of a game. It's too history rich of a game to completely go away like that. But it's. It's really struggling for its survival. Football is now America's favorite sport. No question. Football has done an amazing job of marketing. What's ironic is that football is a dangerous sport. We've seen the horror stories over the last 10 or 15 years, if not longer, maybe the last 20 or 25, really, since it's, things have been more transparent. But we've seen the physical toll that football has taken and takes on players, especially as they get older, physically and now, sadly, mentally. So it's a violent game. We know the long-term effects of this are detrimental for a majority of the players. Many of the players' careers are very short just because on every play, a player's literally on every play in a football game, a player's career could end the chance for injury exists every time the ball is snapped and despite that football has marketed itself and almost somehow and once again amazing marketing they have they have desensitized us to the violence of it they have downplayed the violence of it the aggression of it the injury aspect of it, and highlighted the excitement of it, the bomb, the quarterbacks, the passing. They've opened the game up, the the, the long runs. They used to glorify the hits. They don't glorify those hits as much as they do today. Those hits, those hard hits still take place. We've seen players get paralyzed on the field. And yet, that hasn't deterred the excitement for the game. Baseball, on the other hand, is probably the most injury-free game of anyone. You can still get hurt in baseball. You get, get you know get hit by a pitch in the head or hit in the knee or something like that. I mean, you slide. You can. T- I mean, you know, any sport you play is injury-prone, no question. But the chance of getting hurt in a baseball game are much lower than. Certainly in a hockey game where that puck is flying around. Certainly in a football game where everybody is, is literally throwing their bodies at them. You know, you know, the, 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 fear, the sheer force of a 350-pound guy hitting another 350-pound guy. There's a, there's a, lot, of, uh, a lot of chance for injury there. 
even basketball is still more aggressive. It's still, you know, you've got still guys are, are on each other and they're, they're, you know, running up and down and, and extending themselves and fighting for rebounds. There's still physicality. There's not a lot of physicality in baseball. Maybe a slide every so often. They've, they've even lessened the ability to slide at home plate. That used to be the big, that was the biggest, you know, contact in baseball was the play at the plate where a guy would be running and knock over the catcher. Now you can't even do that. So baseball is the least threatening. And now, perhaps of all the major sports, maybe not hockey still, but football, and I would say in some places basketball, have surpassed baseball. And that's quite a statement. I, I, I know, as I said, I, I, I can't watch the, the All-Star game because I really have lost interest. I mean, and now, especially here in Chicago, I'm a diehard Cub fan, but you know the Cubs games are now on pay TV. And, and I looked at the reality of it and said, is it really worth me buying that? Am I really going to buy Watch those games. The other day I was listening, I happened to be clicking by the radio, and I was listening to a sports station talking about as opening day was beginning in the first couple of days of the season, and I'm hearing the um, the the host talking about the chances for the, the White Sox here in Chicago as well as the Cubs. And they're rattling off names of you know potential starting players for this season for both teams, and... On the Cubs side, I didn't know anybody. After they, after they got rid of Baez and Rizzo and, and Bryant last year, I don't really even know who is on that team. And as much as it hurts me, and I miss it, I don't miss it enough to say maybe I should get reengaged. Because as I said before, I've, I've, I felt very betrayed by baseball by changing so many of its rules. To appeal to, and this is the other side, to appeal to a younger generation, which I get, but the fact of the matter is, I got news for you. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Changing these rules are not is not going to make this younger generation suddenly turn around and go, oh, maybe I'll watch baseball now because there's a pitch clock. Maybe I'll watch baseball because... There, the 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 uh, an extra inning game won't go seventeen innings and be five hours long. It'll probably end in the, in the tenth or eleventh inning because we've got a man on second base to start out with. That's not going to change it. And you know why I know that? Because all I do is I drive around my neighborhood and other neighborhoods, and I see baseball diamonds at parks during the day, especially. Completely empty. When I was a little kid, I was playing in a couple of baseball leagues, right? On, you know, we'd have practice and we'd have our games on Saturdays and Sundays. But in the summer, we played baseball in some fashion every day. We played in the alley or we got on our bikes and went to a park. But we were playing baseball in some way, lob, or we or, or I don't even know if they still have it. There was something here, at least in Chicago, we called it fast pitch. 
if you ever looked in the 70s and 80s at, at big schools, at public schools, you always saw a, a, a spray-painted triangle, or, I mean a, a, a rectangle. That's where people were playing fast pitch. That was where you threw the ball for the strike zone. It was a homemade baseball stadium. A big open spot and a big by a big mostly public school because they had these big, you know, playgrounds for recess because there were so many kids at the public schools, high schools especially, and you would see People, you even say like, "Well, where do you want to play fast pitch?" And you say, "Well, you know this this high school here's got a has got a has got a square." I never built a. I never, you know, defamed or defaced the uh, myself. I never brought a can of spray paint, but they were there, and you played on them. You don't see that anymore. I don't see anybody playing fast pitch anymore, for sure. I don't even see any kids playing on baseball diamonds. So that's the key. If you don't see kids playing the game, then they're not going to want to watch the game. And I don't see a lot of kids playing the game. They may play in a league. They may still play Little League, certainly. We watch the Little League World Series, and I still watch that every year. There's still some purity there. But I don't see kids playing baseball in the summer seven days a week like we did. And playing the game is what gave me appreciation for the game and appreciation for those who played the game and an appreciation to watch the game and then appreciation to go to the game. And I don't see that happening. And that, I think, is is baseball's biggest problem. But I'm, I'm torn because you know, I, I, I looked at this and I said, wow, you know, it's opening day. It's opening baseball this week, a couple weeks ago, and it didn't mean anything to me. I'll never forget when I was in grammar school, when it was opening day for the Cubs. Once again, I was born and raised in the northwest side of Chicago, about six or seven miles right off of Addison, where Wrigley Field is located about six miles away, seven, well, maybe about eight miles, maybe ten. Not that far, though, straight down. But when it was opening day, the cool, the, the big thing that you tried to do, and this, now you have to go, big, go in your way back machine because <laughs> it's certainly different now, but go back in your way, way back machine and try to f- picture this. There were no cell phones. There was no, there was no iPads. There were no iPods. You had a transistor radio, and that and you still had that bad little headphone though. You know that little thing you plug the jack in, you put the little thing in your ear. When it was opening day, and in Chicago, of course, with the Cubs, when I was growing up as a little kid, they didn't have lights. They didn't have lights till 1988 at Wrigley Field. So opening day, of course, was always during the day, and you were still in school. At one twenty, right? Didn't get out till three. Game was going to be over. Well, the the thing you tried to do it it rarely worked in the teacher's head. I mean, being a being an adult now, you had to know what was going on. But we all tried to do it. 
we'd bring this little tra- your, 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 everybody had a bad little transistor radio, this little thing that would fit in your pocket, and it did have the jack for the headphone. So that was that the, the transistor portable transistor radio that you put in your pocket. That was high tech in the seventies. My gosh, have we come a far way? <laughs> that was high tech. So you had your little transistor radio, and you what you tried to do on opening day, because don't forget, there's no VCRs. You're going to miss the game. You can't tape the game. You can't. There's no VCRs or DVD or 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 or, or um, you know DVRs. You can't. The game's on. That's it. The only way you're going to see it is at night when you get home at the five o'clock news when you'll see the the reruns, the replays. And the sports, but you can't see the game. But you wanted to see the game. It's opening day baseball. It's getting warm out. I can't wait to put my get my mitt back on and get out there. Let's play. Let's have a game. We're playing fast pitch. We're playing lob. Whatever it is, we couldn't wait. It was so exciting opening day as you're a little kid. And so we would get our transistor radios and you'd try to hide them. You know, either in your pocket or in your shirt. Because the key, what you wanted to do was you wanted to be able to put that transistor radio somewhere on your body, you know, and, and, and that little cord for your, your, your earphone. And don't forget, you used to have just one. There were not two. Back then in the 70s, even that bad little headphone jack, they didn't give you two headphones. They gave you one. You just put it in your ear. It was just one. It was a single one. That's how people listened. I mean, it sounds like you know, it sounds like you're in the in the, in the you know in the, in the prehistoric ages, but it, it, I guess it was when you look at it now, 40, 50 years ago. But our the, our, our our portable headphones were this were, were these bad little not even two headphones, just they weren't even headphones or earphones. Uh, that little thing that you stick in your ear, but there's only one, not two, and the cord for that wasn't all that long. So what you had to do is you really you had to put the 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 transistor radio in your shirt under your shirt and you then you ran the headphone cord I mean it's like you it's like you're wearing a wire for the government you you ran the the headphone under your shirt and you know you put the little one little earphone in your ear and you got and you tried during class this is all going on now don't forget this is all during class that's the thing here this is all this is all subterfuge this is all this is all you know very secretive i can't believe that and i don't even know how often we even if we have even succeeded but we all tried but it's pretty obvious when you see this white little because all all those headphones, all those earphones back in those days were were always white. They were very prominent. You could see it. But you, what you tried to do is you put your radio and you had because that that cord wasn't too long. You had to have it somewhere near your chest, and then you ran it under your shirt and you know under your collar there, you know between your neck and your in the shirt, and then you put the earphone in your ear. And you listen to the Cub game. Those are the lengths that you went to as a little kid 
to to listen to a baseball game, to be interested in a baseball game, and you and you got in trouble. The teacher said, "Okay, take 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 that radio off." You know, I don't remember anybody who ever got to listen to anything then more than two minutes before the teacher would walk around and say, "What? All right, take it out." You know, almost shaking their head like, "Oh, come on." But that's what we would do. I remember one year in sixth grade or so, me and two of my friends, we skipped school and we went to the Cub game. I th- and I think our parents even said it was okay. They knew. I used to just get on the Addison bus as like a, a, a 11 or 12-year-old kid. Unheard of today of going uh, two or three kids going on the bus by themselves. Are you kidding public bus but it was a straight shot right down addison and our parents trusted the area and trusted we could do this and they said as soon as the game ends you get back on that bus it comes back to addison back home get off right by the school but we actually went to one opening day game (laughs) i don't know if we ever got in trouble maybe our parents Maybe we, maybe you know, the teachers called and said, "Where are they?" And maybe they said they went to the game. And what are you going to do? The parents say yes. The parents say yes. But my point is, that's how important this was. And I had baseball cards and pennants and and hats and the whole thing. And and that love for my in baseball, as I said, I, I played baseball throughout high school, a little in college, and and so. And, and into my 20s and 30s, I still played. And I, and, and I, I organized um, reunion baseball games at my high school so we could still play games back in the 80s. After I saw Field of Dreams, I'm like, okay, I got to play. I got to play again. So I loved baseball. And I knew the players. I, I took my godson, Patrick, uh, to, to several of the, of the iconic baseball fields. To, to Fenway, he played baseball and, uh, throughout college, too. He's a good, good player. So I shared that with him. So this isn't just, you know, and that, and that was into the 2000s. It wasn't just, oh, that was 30 years ago. That was 15 years ago. But baseball in the last 15 years or 20 years has changed quite a bit. It's changed its rules. It's changed its entire outlook on how it markets itself and, and, and how it plays the game. I'll admit I was excited as anybody else was during the, the, the summer of, of Sammy Sosa and Marco McGuire hitting all those home runs. But I was also disappointed when I heard about all the steroid use and the fact that it was, it was baseball's dirty secret and the owners knew about it and the commissioner knew about it and the players certainly knew about it. But it, it, it elevated and, and, and juiced baseball back into the limelight for a while especially right after there was a strike during that time a few years before that. So baseball and its and its and its people that ran it, they went with that. And to me that tarnished it quite a bit. The aftermath of that. But there hey, I was there watching all those games, watching Sammy Sosa, but all of a sudden when that cork flew out of his bat one day, I was like, "Okay, what's going on here?" He was betraying the sport. He was cheating. But so were the people that were running it because they knew about it. 
not just the cork bat, but the steroids and everything else. But they they were writing that. They saw this chance to for the game to make a comeback, to make a renaissance. But it really hurt it in the long run. They went for the short term as opposed to the long term. At least that's how they lost me. Yes, I will still watch a baseball game every so often. I'll still go to a game perhaps, but I haven't been to one in a long time. That, that's been something new for me. I used to go to quite a few baseball games. Never had season. Well, no, I never had season tickets to to baseball game to 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 the Cubs. But I used to enjoy going for sure. But now I really I, I'm not invested in it. I don't know the players. I don't like the rule changes. And I found other things to do. I miss baseball. I'm mad at baseball. I will always love baseball, but I don't like baseball. I've found other things to do. It used to be the national pastime, but now I've found new things to pass my time. And that's sad. Maybe I'll come back someday, but I don't know. But to see baseball and how it's fallen in the the general overview of our country as far as sports is uh, is really sad. And and if you're a baseball fan and you still love going, I I. I give you so much credit. You, you're, I wish I still had the passion you have. And, and don't lose it. I'm, I'm not happy I lost it, but I did lose it. And, and I'm trying to get it back, but I don't know if I can. If you still have it, fantastic. I think it's great. And I still have nostalgic feelings for it. And I will still go to a game every so often. But... I look around and I see how distracted the game is, as I said before. When I go to a game, I'm still watching the game. And out of the 40,000 people that are there, I might be one of only 1,000, if that many, who are really watching the game and really appreciating it. There's so much going on. There's so much stuff that's, you know, everybody's sitting at the beer garden or the pool or the hot tub or the t-ball I loved you, baseball. I'll always love you. But it's three to, it's three and two right now, and I don't know. That next pitch could be strike three. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. Don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family. Your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs, too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 308. I'm Jim Toronto, and here on business, I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen.